Bookish Pleather, a regular podcast about books and reading with me, Holly. And me, Nicola. And this week, for obvious reasons that we won't go into with too much depth, <laughs> uh, we're talking about some nice books for dark days, um, both figuratively and literally, since we're getting into winter now. <laughs> we've wound our clocks back and all that. Um, but oh. we'll start with how we usually do, which is what we've been reading recently. Although I hear that you've not been reading much lately, Holly. Well, I mean, we, for listeners who don't listen... As soon as this comes out, we should acknowledge that we're recording uh, just after the American election results, and we are both feeling like full-on WTF. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would say that has meant that the last couple of weeks have just been really hard to sort of think about anything else and concentrate on reading. Yeah. Like there's days, there's days I've got the train to work and I've got my book out my bag. And I've read the same page four times and I'm like, I'm not taking this in. And then I put a podcast on instead, mm-hmm. which is is a hard like mental space to be in. And I just kind of have to acknowledge that it won't last forever. Um, but it has been. Yeah, it's been a difficult time. A lot of my reading time recently has just been articles and um, like long reads and news pieces and stuff. Yeah. So are there um, any of those you'd recommend? Mm, not now. <laughs> I guess I read a lot of election-related stuff before the results. Mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't want to encourage people to go back. But um, and then again, yeah, in, in the days following the election, then like most of what I've been reading has been about what it means and how it's going to impact different people, and you know, just following sad things that have been happening in different parts of America, mm-hmm. which is hard because I think. You know, there's a, and this is why this is a good topic for us to be talking about today, because there's a real kind of 50-50 split, I think, that you either want to just be like, shit, this is the worst, I didn't want this, and like just switch off from everything, or mm-hmm. I think you feel a bit differently, don't you? Um I've kind of been trying to not be on like Twitter and stuff so much because I know that it just doesn't do any good things for my mental state, like I want to feel like I'm aware of what's happening. But um, I don't want to just, like, be miserable all the time. Um, I've also... I actually was trying to write reviews the night that the results were coming in and I could just hear Evan groaning at his computer across from me and I was like, let me just finish this paragraph and get it right before I look at anything. Um, mm. And, like, I had to drag him out for dinner and stuff. So, yeah, I've, I've been... I've definitely been escaping into books a bit this week. Um, but I've been trying to read stuff that's actually helpful in some way like rather than just reading like fantastical fiction which I think would make me feel more like I'm trying to I don't know I think it would make me feel worse in a way Um, I've just been trying to read things that make me feel like slightly motivated not and not in a necessarily like directly political action mainstream politics kind of way but just in a more general like um, you know keep keep informed and keep thinking about things that matter sort of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good approach. Yeah. So what have you been reading? Um, so I read a couple of books just before everything kicked off. <laughs> um, I've been doing I have a couple of reviews for a magazine, which I write for, which is a big issue. So I read uh, The Wongs Versus the World by Jade Chang, 
it may be Jade Chong. I tried to check and no one had, else had mentioned it. <laughs> uh, but it's a debut novel which is about a Chinese immigrant family, Chinese American family, um, that has become very wealthy through the dad's cosmetics empire. And then he loses all his money basically through like a bad financial bet. Um, so they have to take a road trip across the country um, to the eldest daughter's house because she actually has some independent money. Um, and it's just about like their journey and I was quite proud of, proud of myself my line in the <laughs> review was that it's Arrested Development meets Little Miss Sunshine because it has that like road trip element but then it's also um, just you know the, the hilarity of people who've lost everything um, and just in a, an absurd manner so mm. um, like it sounds like a sad story but it's actually like a really ridiculous novel um, so it was quite fun I, th- I think it doesn't quite hang together um, and I think it probably would have worked better as something like a TV show, but um, it was it was kind of diverting enough. And then I also read Swing Time by Zadie Smith, which I think hasn't really been described as well as it could have been. Like, it is a diff- difficult novel to describe exactly what it's about. Essentially, there's a main character who is narrating from probably, like, her early to mid-30s, I think. Um, and she's l- looking back on her life um, a- and she had a friendship with a woman called Tracy who, like, when they were kids, they used to dance together. And Tracy's, like, a really big personality and all that stuff was really interesting. She talked about living in um, northwest London and, like, the kind of scene of, of what that was like to grow up there. Um, her relationship with her mother, who's, like, a strident feminist who becomes a politician. And her dad, who's just kind of, like, just kind of, like, falls out of place um, in society almost. Um, and then there's another storyline which is more recent where she's then gone to work for uh, like a pop star as part of her like personal entourage as her personal assistant and then things start to go wrong in their relationship and so like all the stuff where she was looking back to her upbringing and in London was like really vibrant and really interesting and like the characters some of them were just insufferable and like the all the dynamics there were really interesting but then in the later storyline I just was like, why am I reading this? There was there was a, a whole um, part where she's gone to Africa and it's like never clear exactly which part of Africa she's in. And I think it was supposed to be a commentary on how we talk about um, like basically people white elites coming in and like building schools and what impact actually has on those communities and the people who are involved who are from the local area um, and like maybe some stuff about cultural appropriation, but it just never really quite came across. I kind of felt like like the more interesting story was the one of her childhood and her growing up um and the later stuff just didn't work for me I felt like I was really trying to like speed through it to get back to the earlier stuff so I don't know it was very much a book of two halves and I think it was half brilliant and half like I don't even know why I'm reading this (laughs) so kind of disappointing overall oh now's not the kind of time to be feeling disappointed by books Mm -hmm. but that doesn't help yeah and have you been shopping at all? Uh, yeah, I went to a library book sale last week, which was very cool. Um, I'm not going to talk about all the books that I got there, but I got a few which I'm excited about. Um, How many did you get in total? I got six. Oh, they were okay. Like, they were like a dollar and two dollars each. I did a video haul, so I'll post a link to that in the show notes. But um, I mostly just bought them like for convenience. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Um, so they're not like it's not like I'm dying to get to all of these right away. Um, but I got a lovely copy of East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Um, they did these like centennial editions that are kind of like the Penguin Deluxe 
classics. So it's like oh. a like a bigger paperback with the French flaps and the deckled edges. So it's really pretty. I bought this before and I never got around to it. It's like 800 pages or something. Well, this edition is 600 pages. But I think the one I had previously was longer. Um, so I'd really like to get around to that eventually because it is set in the Salinas Valley. So maybe next time I go up to Monterey, I'll read it. Um, I got State of Wonder by Anne Patchett, which for anyone who's read or listened to Big Magic, that's the the book that um, Elizabeth Gilbert says she had the same idea for a novel and she never wrote it and then Anne Patchett ended up writing it. Um, And it's about a research scientist who goes to the Amazon rainforest to try and find um, someone who used to be her mentor and they seem to have gone missing. Um, And I think it's... I think it sounds like a lot happened in it, but I don't want to know too much about it. Um, I also got Brain on Fire, My Month of Madness by Susanna Cahalan. Um, She was an investigative journalist and she... I think she got, like, some kind of bacterial infection and her brain just like went haywire and she went completely crazy um and then like they had like managed to miraculously save her as well so it sounds really dramatic and it's one of those memoirs that just kind of comes up every so often like I always hear people talking about it and then I forget about it and then it gets mentioned again so well I saw it there for a dollar I was like okay I'm gonna actually give this a shot now (laughs) Um, and then I also got another one which people have been talking about a lot in my circles which is The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros which is um, about a character called Esperanza Cordero and it's it's a novel but it's told in vignettes so it's like very short you know like one or two page um, events that happen in it and I know that a lot of my friends who've um, especially like who are who've grown up in like Hispanic cultures or households um, have said like this is the first time that they saw themselves in literature when they read this book so I'm oh, excited to get into that because I think it's I th- well, like the people who who have read it who I know who come from like similar backgrounds have have said like this was really remarkable for them so interested to see how I find it mm. that sounds like a nice mix yeah yeah, I was just kind of, I just wandered in and it was in like, a, it was kind of like a pop-up. So they'd taken over to unused, um, just basically like shop outlets and they just had tables out and everything was like laid on its side. So um, I just had a good browse around and those were the ones that jumped out at me. So I was like, well, when they're a dollar or two dollars, like it's as much about supporting the organisation as anything else. So um, yeah, I just picked up all the ones that looked interesting to me and then my arms were full and I was like, okay, <laughs> I think I'm done. Sweet. And so in terms of how you're feeling now and how you want to feel going <laughs> forward, what do you think is going to be next on your to-read list? Um, that's a good question. I've got a few books which I'm like halfway through. Um, but one of the books that I've started, which I think I'll keep reading, is All the Single Ladies by Rebecca Traister which is kind of a, a social science book. Um, it's about um, the, the prevalence of the single woman and how much demographics have changed over the past 50 years. And um, it's like a growing demographic and like the ways that we think about women were, especially in terms of feminism, were often tied to marriage and like a woman's role. And like I think popular thinking hasn't really kept up with the changes that have happened for women over the past, especially the last, I would say, 30 years. So... 
Um, yeah, I've been reading that with interest, and I think she has a very clear line of argumentation. Like, there's a few points where I've been like, I don't know if I really agree with this, and then a few pages later, she explains like, well, that's how it seems, but here's how things are actually more like this or whatever. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but um, I think that she's very clear thinker, so I think that'll be interesting. Do you have anything on your to-read list? So last night I went to bed with um, Maria Semple's new book, Today Will Be Different, which I talked about buying in the last episode, and then I read one page and fell asleep. <laughs> so I'd had an extremely, uh, I'd had an extremely busy but cool day with my niece, who is home educated. So we had a day in London together. Um, we went to the Imperial War Museum in the morning because she's extremely interested in war and particularly the injustice of war. Um, and then we went to a do a backstage theatre tour in the afternoon. Um, and we Very went cool. to the theatre that, yeah, it was super cool. And the theatre that we went to is the one that's currently showing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, which is on until January. And we were the only two people on the tour. Mm-hmm. So we got to go into like the Royal Box and we got to go like underneath the stage and see how they make the stage move up and down and stuff like that. And it was really cool. But yeah, by the time I got home, I was like, oh, I'm just going to like eat some tea and then go to bed. And then I just fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I think is a kind of, you know, we, we you opened by saying dark days aren't necessarily about what's going on in a from a society perspective, but also just, yeah, the fact that it's it's darker in the evenings and there's not as much daylight. And I think that makes a lot of people at this time of year feel a bit more exhausted and like they just want to kind of hibernate. Yeah. And it's funny that like there's, I don't know if you really feel this much now that you're in California, but here this like Hooga Scandinavian trend thing <laughs> has just like it's too much now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Evan and I started talking about Hooga like probably three years ago. I sound like such a hipster, but it was like Evan had seen like a BBC news segment where they talked about it. And we were like, oh, that would help because, like, the holidays are one thing, but then once you get past Christmas, people kind of forget that, like, the cosy stuff kind of goes away. And then people, like, just are desperate for spring to come, but actually it's not going to come for another two or three months. I think think we totally expire all our, like, enjoying winter in the first month. Yeah, because we really, like, wrap it up in, like, ooh, Halloween, ooh, pumpkin spice lattes, ooh, bonfire night, ooh, fake Thanksgiving, even mm. though we're not American, ooh, it's Christmas, ooh, it's New Year, and then we're like, oh, shit, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. nothing left. And, and you're right, January and February, when you need it the most. Uh-huh. And especially in, in the UK, like, we have a tendency to start talking about it being winter in November, when really it's not until, like, Christmas is the beginning of winter, not the middle of winter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, yeah, we we talked about Hugo for a while, but yeah, definitely not been needing it here. It's been really warm here this week, like unseasonably. So um, I think it was thirty degrees yesterday. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's cold in the morning and evening, um, and so when it's, I think the thing that I find difficult here is that when it gets dark, it's just dark, and it feels darker somehow. I think maybe coming from Scottish summer where the sun goes down so slowly. Here it's just like it just disappears behind a mountain and it's gone, and you're like, oh, huh. it's night time now. Um, but I've been enjoying the evenings and being able to like put on a hoodie and um, and I think also because 
my Twitter experience is kind of, or actually my whole online experience is like curated around mostly people on, on in the UK and like in different time zones other than California. So as the evening progresses, there's less and less updates. And also because I've kind of been avoiding the political chat, I've kind of, I am reading more in the evenings because I'm just being like, okay, well, there's nothing happening on my phone anyway. And so oh, I can actually true. focus a bit more on reading, which is nice. Yeah, that's a really good point because I've definitely, like I've, over the last sort of six months, probably started using Twitter a lot less. But over the last couple of weeks, I find, I just find myself like endless, endlessly scrolling and refreshing and mm-hmm. not not to any positive end (laughs) but it's yeah it's a bad habit um but yeah so I mean this is this is the kind of time of year where it's nice to you know come home and not have evening plans and cook something hearty light some candles chill out like just go at your own pace Mm -hmm. which I think is probably the essence of hygge but there's so many books out here now that are like how to hygge and to me I'm just like what the fuck how do you need a whole book on like how to (laughs) but you know some people do and I can't lie some of them are beautiful and they have some lovely recipes and sort of um like tips and things and stuff Mm -hmm. but I I feel like this would normally be the kind of time of year where I would be coming home and sitting down with a good book but um yeah just like I guess mentally I'm quite exhausted so Mm -hmm. it's just been lazy so having said that we're recording on a Saturday night my boyfriend's staying away with friends I haven't got anything to do so I think I will try and read that tonight Mm -hmm. and and not fall asleep at nine (laughs) o'clock I've I've written down some suggestions of I've got some cozy reading suggestions and some if you want to just like um what's the word I'm looking for if you just want to like expire some righteous anger I've got a few books that will fit that as well okay you go first yeah okay um well as far as cozy reads go I know that a lot of my friends have been turning back to Harry Potter that's like their go-to when they feel like the world is scary and indifferent um I I would also suggest going back to your old if you're into Roald Dahl like those books I think Mm. have they have that dark edge that feels realistic um, and like the evil of of parents, and especially if the if voting and various elections and um, referenda haven't gone your way, I think that's a nice reminder that um, you know things might be get better eventually. <laughs> um, and then I was thinking back on some ones that I've found really lovely over the years. Um, so one was A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. It's had things do happen in this book. Um, it, it's like a very nostalgic story, but there are like some sad things that happen to the various characters. But it just like gives you that overall like warm feeling. And especially mm. if you read it this time of year, I'm sure you can imagine Brooklyn being like nice and leafy and autumnal. Um if you want something that's like bookish, I really enjoyed 84 Chang Crossroad by Helene Hanf, which I think I mentioned on the show before. I think actually a few of these books we talked about in our um, our short reads episode. Yes. Mm. Um, and this is just a series of letters that she wrote back and forth with the bookshop that was on Chang Crossroad. She's an American writer um, and there was just certain things that she couldn't find in the bookshops in New York. And so she started writing to... 84 Chang Cross Road. I can't remember the name of the bookshop now, um, but she ended up having like a 20-year pen palship with the owners. So that's a really nice one. Mm, yeah, that's lovely. Um, yeah, then... I think it's quite interesting that um, that you said, you know, some of these books do have, you know, 
upsetting things that happen in them. And mm. when I was trying to think of positive and happy and more uplifting books for dark days, I still couldn't actually think of anything that didn't have at some point like a death mm. or, you know, um, some terrible adversity to be overcome. Um, maybe there are just no, <laughs> or <laughs> there must there must be happy books out there. Yeah. But, uh, there may be just not so much on our radar. Yeah, but affection requires conflict, so I guess not everything yes. can be 100% happy. This is true. That's why so many people die in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did think of two where I don't think anything particularly horrible happens. Um, one is Parnassus on Wheels by Christopher Morley, which is about a woman who lives with her brother, and then this guy comes along with like a travelling bookshop and tries to sell it to the brother. Uh, who isn't interested but then the sister goes actually you know what I'm going to take it and so they go on a road trip together to like drop him back off at his home so that she can run the bookshop Um, and that's just like a really fun like um, road trip kind of book Um, and then also The Princess Bride by William Goldman oh yeah good show because it takes place in such a fantasy realm so there you know there's like swashbuckling and there's some sword fights and things but like you know it's it's a very easy kind of evil to vanquish hmm yeah, that's a very good one. Mm-hmm. I haven't read that in a long time. Yeah, I think going back to visit kind of um, books from childhood and, and shorter reads is probably a good thing in terms of being able to have that sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also thinking about, like, at this kind of time, particularly this time of year, but also just given everything that's going on, stuff that is kind of more based around, like, nature writing is really appealing to me because the even even if there are like bad things that happen in in the natural world they're kind of out of our hands mm-hmm. um and they're not necessarily done by a particular person to a particular person um they tend to just be more observational um so i i that reminds me i need to go and get that um that winter anthology i spoke last episode about the spring anthology that i got mm-hmm. um but I'd like to read the winter one in winter. Um, and then also I think like sometimes like autobiographies or biographies can be a good thing to read because you're just reading about one person's experience and um, particularly if it's somebody that you that you know of and admire but don't necessarily know that much about then mm-hmm. um, that can be a good shout. And I've got both Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders biographies or autobiographies um, that have been waiting patiently to be read. So I think they'd be a good go-to one to find some more uplifting moments mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's a good one. I have a related recommendation to that, actually, which is Heartburn by Nora Ephron, mm. which is fiction, but it's the kind of, in many ways, a fictionalised account of things that happened to her. Um, this is good for a righteous anger one, um, because uh, the character in the book is pregnant and is cheated on by her partner, um, and then she just gets really, really pissed off about it. Um, but some of the characterization is very funny. Like the husband likes to talk to his hamsters in like a weird voice, um, <laughs> <laughs> and just like it's, it's kind of like ridiculous things happen. So it's kind of like dark, but also fun. Yeah, and that's really Nora Ephron's purest gift is being mm-hmm. able to find, you know, the upbeat in even the most difficult of situations. Yeah. Um, and then for like kind of dark, twisted stuff, if you just want to like get your anger out, um, Gone Girl is always a good one if you haven't read it yet by Gillian Flynn. Or maybe 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 a good time to reread it. Um, maybe if you just like want to pull an 
Amy on the world, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, yeah, Gone Girl and any of those kind of like um, new swathe of like woman just goes fucking batshit mm-hmm. <laughs> books. <laughs> Um, because yeah. there's a lot of anger reflected in those. Uh-huh. Yeah, the other one that I wrote down, which we both loved, was Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Oh, yeah. Um, and then one which I've talked about a couple of times, but I still don't see people reading it, is The Other Typist by Suzanne Rindell, which is set in the 1930s. I'm trying to think Prohibition era. Was it the 20s or 30s? Maybe a bit of both. I think it must, it must have been pre-depression, so it must have been the late 20s. Um, so it's about it's, it's a very unreliable narrator who's writing about working in a type, typing office and she falls in love with this other typist um, and is kind of like taken into her world and there's like the whole speakeasy scene and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's also got that like righteous anger element and it just keeps twisting and twisting and twisting and twisting and you don't know what's going to happen. And like even up to the last page, you're just like, I don't know where this is going to end because she's changed her mind about what happened so many times. Um, so that's a book that I really loved, which I'd like to see more people read. I've um, not read that. And I've, I, I, you've mentioned it to me a few times and you're right. I think we talked about it in our episode about um, like underhyped books or yeah. books from like the last few years that we didn't think got the um, credit that they deserved and I remember you mentioning it mm-hmm. maybe I'll get that yeah, yeah. Um, I also think people would love a cosy mystery this time of year but I don't really have any to recommend because it's not a route that I've gone down yeah it's funny I've been thinking about that a lot from my like um, TV viewing like oh it'd be really nice to watch just like a Jonathan Creek or like <laughs> you know some sort of murder mystery that is not um incredibly aggressive in the levels of violence so Mm -hmm. um there's i've never really been into like um any of the sort of agatha christie adaptations that have been on tv nor have i actually read much agatha christie so probably that's a really nice thing to go to for this time of year yeah just to kind of really immerse yourself in somebody else's like bizarre situation mm-hmm. and I think they're they're more about the mystery than the murder as well so yeah. it's more about the aftermath than the actual event and then do you ever read any um, like comics or kind of funny books um, not particularly I'm trying to think what like I do like a humorous like memoir once in a while or like an essay collection that's quite funny. You know, we've talked about David Sedaris in the past and Augustine mm. Burroughs, and they they often deal with quite dark stuff in a more, uh, with more of a, a tone of levity. Yeah, and I know we both really enjoyed um, books from Simon Rich and from Jesse Eisenberg, and they're kind of definitely humorous. Who mm. is writing that kind of stuff that's a woman? That's a good question. There's Sloan well, Crossley, although I haven't really enjoyed her stuff, to be honest. I think she's very cool, but I haven't really enjoyed her essays. Then in terms of, like, funny stories, I don't know. It does seem to be quite a male-dominated field. I particularly liked, a few years ago, Kelly Oxford's book, Everything is Perfect When You're a Liar. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a collection of, um, like true stories so essays about things in her life I particularly loved her talking about being 
um, like kind of in her late teens and moving to LA and like really trying very, very hard to meet Leo DiCaprio <laughs> um, with her friends. That was like their, their purest goal in life. Um, but she's got some really, really funny stuff in there. I'm sure she has another book coming out, but I don't know exactly when. Yeah. And what about um, Furiously Happy? Did you read that Oh, yes. One? I, yeah, by Jenny Lawson. Mm-hmm. I, I did like it. That's particularly more focused on how she copes with um, mental health issues around depression and coping with medication. So I, I really, really enjoyed it, but it definitely, all the stories kind of had a bit more of a similar angle on them. Okay. Oh, yeah, she also had the other book, uh, Let's Pretend This Never Happened, a mostly true memoir, um, which the blurb relates to Tina Fey and David Sedaris. This is someone that I've not really read, though, but um, that might be something for people to look into. I think people have found it very funny and very, like, heartwarming. Yeah, so maybe there is more happiness in the world than I... <laughs> <laughs> than I originally anticipated there might be. I guess it's also like if you're if you're struggling with some of the themes of books that come up um, a lot at the moment, and I know that um, definitely like there seems to just be a lot of there's so much discussion at the moment, quite rightly, and we shouldn't ignore it. But there's so much discussion about um, you know violence towards women, and that is often a common um, theme or like lazy trope in books and. You know, if you're really looking to avoid that, then I think heading into the non-fiction stuff is useful. You know, there's, um, I'm thinking like, uh, like Darren Brown has a new book out actually that's about being happy, oh, yeah. and um, Richard Wiseman is a writer who has like loads and loads of non-fiction books, but he has one called um, Paranormality, which is about kind of exploring. Uh, the reality of the paranormal and and what does and doesn't exist. He also had one out last year called Night School, which is about kind of the science of sleep Mm -hmm. and how we sleep and how we dream. And I think those kind of books can be a good read if you're looking for something that's kind of interesting and um, absorbing without being too mentally taxing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good show. I've got a couple of nonfiction books which I'd like to get to this month. There's a readathon on booktube called Nonfiction November um, one of the ones I put on my list is The Sixth Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert um, which is about there's been five major extinction events in the history of the world where like basically almost all of um, living creatures were wiped out um, including obviously the dinosaurs would be the one that everybody thinks of um, but there's there's a theory that the sixth one is coming and it's going to be like humanity that's wiped out largely we're going to bring about our own demise which sounds really dark and like it would be really hard to read but I think that this would be a good time because I think it would <laughs> give you like a good uh um like a good I perspective. I can't lie. That sounds like the darkest. Of <laughs> no, I think it's a good perspective because it's like, like if we're headed for this, we're like any of us who are alive now are probably not going to be alive for this. And also, like, wouldn't you rather be wiped out with everybody else than like because of a bad policy? Oh yeah, I mean, I would, I would absolutely hate to be a survivor of any major catastrophe Mm -hmm. and I know that sounds ridiculous but like you know I'm thinking about walking dead type stuff I mean the no zombies aren't real but you know that kind of like relentless fight for survival Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I have it in me no (laughs) 
when you know when they talk about the really big one, I'm like, cool. I hope I'm in Northern California when that happens. <laughs> or when we talk about you know Yellowstone erupted, cool. I'm in the blast zone. I'd rather just get wiped out immediately than like be starving to death somewhere in like India or you know um yeah zombie apocalypse stuff i'm like you know what i would like to be i'm gonna run towards the first zombie i see because i don't want to stand all that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i could not do it yeah but that's just actually there's a a really good book called the antidote by oliver berkman which i read a couple of years ago um for like a wee project that um canon gate was doing and it's like the tagline of it is uh, self-help for people who can't stand positive thinking and so he does a lot of the like he he basically takes lessons from like early philosophy so things like the stoics um and like descartes and one of the major things that he talks about in that book is imagining like what the worst that could happen is because it's often not as bad as you think or it's something like that where it's like so catastrophic that you can laugh about it because it's not very likely um Mm. and i think that it's it's a helpful tool to like think about to to put where you are in perspective um and, yeah. and to, to be able to reframe it and go okay it's not as big and insurmountable as i thought now what can i do yeah that's interesting i haven't read that i've heard lots of people re- like recommend it though. yeah it's a really good audiobook actually if people are looking for something to spend their audiobook credits on because he reads it himself and he's very engaging mm. I don't have any. I did actually cancel my subscription, so I haven't had audiobooks in quite a while. Yeah. Um, it is yeah. good to read as well, though. I think I did a bit of both when I read it. Good stuff. So I guess we would be really open to hearing recommendations from what our listeners think are good books to turn to in challenging times, and, and I particularly would be interested to hear about books that um draw you out of this kind of slump mm-hmm. um and uh there are ways that you could do that you t- <laughs> you say the ways you're better at the ways <laughs> uh, well you can always email us if you have a longer thought which is bookishblather at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter and instagram at bookishblather we always enjoy reading your tweets to us and we try to share those as well and get a conversation started um, you can find my Twitter at Robotnik. I'm also on YouTube and Instagram with the same username and my website is robotnik.co. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Holly Jean Smith, uh, mainly tweeting random depressing thoughts at the <laughs> moment. But I did have a really interesting conversation with somebody the other day who was saying, you know, like Twitter does feel really stressful now and kind of like overbearing and I'm trying to bring back just some of the more like flippant stuff mm-hmm. which sometimes now feels so juvenile but um yeah there's you know maybe i'll be maybe i'll be back with humor yeah <laughs> in, in a week or so yeah when things calm down a wee bit mm. so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more bookish leather and in the meantime happy reading Bye.